But as you do so, I'm going to remind you of what Luke 10 says, particularly in verse 17. It says, the 72 disciples returned to Jesus with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And I have given you authority to trample on snakes, scorpions, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. And nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's at least three times that he speaks of joy. Do you think that he might be on to something that might be holding on to your joy? At that time, Jesus, full of joy, through the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, Father. Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those whom the Son chooses to reveal himself. Has Jesus revealed himself to you, saints? For I tell you that many prophets and many kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Second Chronicles chapter 20 starts off with the end of a life of a king named Jehoshaphat. Are you there? Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 31 says the end of a life of a man named Jehoshaphat. So Jehoshaphat reigned, verse 31, over Judah. He was 35 years old when he became king of Judah, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 25 years. His mother was, his mother's name was Ahazabah, or Ahaz, <laughs> help me with my Hebrew here. He followed, I don't want to call her a huzzy, so, Ahazabah. He followed the way of his father, Asa, and did not stray from them. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, praise God. However, the high places were not removed, and the people still had not set their hearts on the God of their ancestors. Could you imagine being a king responsible for a people, and you did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but the rest of your family didn't, you just kind of stopped short before they did? The other events of Jehoshaphat's reign from beginning to the end are written in the annals of Jehu, which are recorded in the book of the kings of Israel. Later on in his life, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, made an alliance. Take note of that. Jehoshaphat made an alliance with Ahaza, king of Israel, whose ways were wicked. He agreed with him to construct a fleet of trading ships. After these were built at a place called Zion Gebir, Eleazar prophesied to Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have made an alliance with Ahazah, the Lord will destroy what you have made. The ships were wrecked as the prophet prophesied. 
and were not able to set sail nor trade. Verse 21, then Jehoshaphat rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. <laughs> Chuck Strata uh, turned me on to a book not long ago, uh, which was written by Sun Tzu, and it's called The Art of War. Maybe you heard of it. And this man taught an ancient war tactic. He taught that armies would burn their ships and destroy the bridges behind them as they advanced into new territory. He argued that soldiers without the option of taking flight are more likely to prevail over their objectives. The burning of ships illustrated to everyone that there are no options of retreating. There was no plan B. And to have an escape route is the very thing that caused the soldiers to fail. Saints, when you ignite the ships, he says, the desires of everyone that are in them just to survive are eradicated. And they only have one option, succeed. He said to provide, he would do so to provide no option other than victory or die trying. Win or perish while doing so. Today's message is burn the ships. Cast out my demons. Burn the ships. Cast out my demons. It's time that you take responsibility for the little bit of darkness that's in your great light. Are you with me this morning? Saints, how many of you love the Lord with all your heart? Raise your hand. How many of you are saved? How many of you are sanctified? How many of you are Holy Ghost filled? How many of you are fire baptized? Or how many of you are delivered? Well, we're going to find out today whether that's true or not. Hold your finger where you're at because we're going to stay there this entire message. But I want to remind you of what Jesus told you and taught you how to pray in Matthew 6, 9. He says it like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Where are you at, Pastor Landon? You're going to love this. Deliver us from that panaros. Deliver us from labors, annoyances, and hardship. Deliver us from that way of life. Deliver us from that way of seeing things. Deliver us for yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen. What a doctrinally offensive prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I thought his will was always done. Guess not. Maybe that's just a poor doctrine. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. I'm sorry, I thought we were forgiven everything and there's no need to pray to him again to forgive us of what we might have done today. Forgive us of our debtors. Oh, you don't hold a grudge against anybody. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver. 
man, I was saved 10 years ago, and this pastor prayed a prayer with me, and I felt a fuzzy feeling, and all was good, baby. But somewhere between now and then, I mean, I was saved then, so I don't need to return to him today and get delivered of some things that I might have picked up along the way. Or do I? Saints, God did not send me to place this place to preach sugar-coated gospels. That's not who we are. That's not who I am. That's not who you are. And we're not going to practice it today. He did not send me here to, to give you neat little buttoned up sermons or unprovocative words. He sent me here to move you. To shake you and to awake you. I don't care if you've been in the kingdom for 10 minutes or 10 years. You have the propensity to fall asleep and it's a time that we awake. Are you ready for freedom today, saints? You know why you could feel the Holy Spirit just kind of go, put on pause as soon as we started to speak about freedom? Because not every one of you in here actually has the freedom that you're singing about. And he's helping you so that you don't actually sing words that you don't actually live. Woe to us if we speak things that we're not living or sing songs and profess things that we don't actually practice. Don't you, don't you know that the blood of Jesus came to set you totally free? Are you ready for some freedom today? Yes. Well, remember you said that. 2 Chronicles 30, verse 21. Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a good man. He was a godly man, just like most of you. Written in the biblical history as a successful king who saw many victories, revivals, and held fast to the faith of Yahweh to the end of his days, praise God. But how many of you know that you can be successful at your job and title, but be unsuccessful in your personal life? You see, God sees things that you may not, and he said, you can't hide from him. That means you can be saved from the wrath of God, but never be delivered from the shackles that you drug into the kingdom. And he's not okay with that, even though you are. You can be free in public. Woo, did you see me at church? Man, I got free on that Sunday morning and live in bondage for the rest of the days. You, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Free in public and bound in private. The Bible says Jehoshaphat served God all of his life. This is equivalent to saying today, right? That you would love God for your entire life to the end of your days. That's the equivalent. But even the finest of Christians that you think you know, you may not know at all because you don't know what they're bound by in private. And I'm talking, I'm not, I'm not preaching to someone outside this room, I'm preaching to you. I want to talk to you today about those alliances that you have in your secret life. You love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, but you also love something else that you've made an allegiance to somewhere, some way. Some of you don't even know it, but we're going to expose them today. We call that deliverance. Most of you call me pastor in here. Praise God. I'm going to jump out today and say it. I'm after your chains. I'm after your chains. 
I'm after your chains. And there are some visitors in this place. Just know that you chose to show up here. Praise God. And that means I may only have one time with you. And so you can hate me now, but love me later. But I'm after your chains too. Today's message is burn the ships. Because I believe that that is the answer for those of you who have made known or unknown deals with the devil. You see, when you, you think that when you gave your life to Jesus, all of a sudden, that wasn't a reality for you any longer. The word of God is about to prove you wrong. Jehoshaphat lived a life for God and now is with God. But the scripture also says that he did two things that most of us do that keep us from total freedom. He did not remove the high places and he did make alliances with the enemy. Isn't that funny, that word enemy? We always say the enemy. You know why? Because that sounds better than Satan. Doesn't it? It's like when you sin and call it sickness, and then you take a pill for it, but it never works, and you keep it happening. Just call it for what it is. Let me start with you today about high places. Saints, high places were places where false gods were elevated. High places were places where idols were magnified. You know about that. We call that drama. You, anybody know some dr dramatic people? My wife calls me extra all the time. Right? You are extra, right? You are dramatic. You magnify things. Well, high places are those places where idols are magnified. High places in your life are anything in your life that are elevated higher than Yahweh himself. Like your careers, like your relationships, like your circumstances, like your possibilities or your impossibilities. If they are elevated higher than Yahweh, they have now become your high places. All of these things are the very things that create the culture that people that you live in or live for. That's why high places are important. And Jehoshaphat did not remove from his life these influential catalysts. Think for a minute. What might be the high places in your life? Have you neglected to confront them? These are the silent places that are affecting your life behind the scenes and you can't figure out why this, this thing repetitively keeps happening to you, but it's because you're living a life and you haven't dealt with something called a high place in your life and you're okay with living in this valley, but on this high mountain is something that's governing over you. Alliances. Another thing that Jehoshaphat did was he did not deal, he neglected the high places, but something that he did do was make alliances. That word alliances in Hebrew is habar. Listen to this. An alliance is something that you are joined together with, that you unite with. Watch this. Mentally, emotionally, or physically. An alliance. It literally means to join forces with. It is used figuratively, figuratively of joining oneself in a deep religious sense to something. Wow. 
It means, alliance means that you adorn it, that you make it beautiful in your heart, in your mind, that you make it brilliant, that you magnify that particular thing. Alliances. Saints, alliances are those things in the Christian life that you have unified yourself with mentally, emotionally, or physically in some deep way that is as strong as the bond of your religious convictions. And you magnify it. You make best friends with it. You pet it. You give it a home. You name it. You claim it. You hang out with it. And you elevate it in such a value that it captivates a massive part of your daily attention. Alliances. You love it. Some say love can be blinding. Maybe that's why you can't see it. Saints, your soul is the seat of your mind, your will, and your emotion. And if you make alliances mentally, emotionally, or physically, you just made a soul alliance. Wow. That may, some people call those soul ties. Whatever. We're just putting terminology on what the Bible already has done. You have made alliances with things that may not be of God. And today, we're going to help you pinpoint those and break those mental, emotional, and physical demonic chains. Demonic, cha demonic chains. Saints, Jehoshaphat was a son of God like you, but he did not remove the high places and he made alliances with Satan. And that's not a liberty that I'm taking in the word. I'm going to prove it to you by the word. You don't need my opinions. You don't need, you don't need my great revelation. You need the word. And I'm going to give that to you today. Matthew 6.22 says, The eye of the lamp, that is a gate of the body, or is a gate of the body, and if your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body is full of darkness. If then the light... With inside of you is darkness. How great is that darkness? Who is he talking to? Is he talking to the lost? Or is he talking to the redeemed? Is he talking to those who don't serve Jesus? Or is he talking to those who do? Is he talking to people who are far off? Or is he talking to those who have placed themselves side beside the king of glory? He's talking to you. Second Chronicles is about to remind you of the reality of darkness in your life that you can take responsibility for. <laughs> That's the good news. You have power to re take responsibility for the reality of your life. And it's going to teach you how to break your alliances with the demons that you did not realize that you were in partnership with so that you can be healed in Jesus' name. Do you want to be healed? Yeah, that's a biblical question. Second Chronicles 20, verse 32. And he followed Jehoshaphat, the ways of his father Asa, and did not stray for them. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. However, the high places were not removed, and the people still did not set their hearts on the God of their ancestors. 
Let me clue you in for a minute. Asa was Jehoshaphat's father, and he loved the Lord just like Jehoshaphat did. But he also failed to remove all the high places, all of them. Somebody say all. Second Chronicles 14 says that he removed all the high places of Baal, which was not Yahweh. But Second Chronicles 15 says that he did not remove all the places, period. What does that mean? What's happening there? Did he or did he not remove the high places? He left some. He removed all the high places of Baal, but he did not remove all the high places that were dedicated to Yahweh, even though Yahweh said remove them all. You know what that, that's the equivalent to? It's the equivalent to the Lord speaking to you and saying, hey, why don't you go tear down all the Mormon temples? Why don't you go tear down uh, all the Islamic mosques? And why don't you go tear down the churches too? And he's like, I'm going to tear down the mosques and the Mormon temples, but I'm going to leave the churches. And he said, I didn't say that. I said, go tear them all down. Why? Because men were being corrupted in all of them. They were drawn to places I did not call them to worship. They were drawn to places I did not call them to. And they're deeming the doors of these places. And they think that being satisfied. And they're walking away thinking that they just went to a place that brought them life. But they actually picked up something along the way that gave them a little bit of life and a little bit of something else. And that little bit of something else is actually killing them. So shut the front doors, Nehemiah. Thank you, COVID. It did it for a while. I thought that was excellent. Some of them needed to be shut. And others needed to be staying open. (sighs) Second Chronicles 20, 32. Saints, when you were born again, or when you were born, you were born into sin. And were in need of salvation. Amen? You were in need of salvation from the penalty of that disposition. When you were born again, though, the penalty of that sin was removed. Amen. And the hostility between you and the one who created you no longer exists. And you are now at peace with the one who created your your father in heaven because of what Jesus has done for you. Man, that's good news. But. Just because the penalty of sin was removed does not make you exempt from your learned behavior of your sinful habits that you practiced your entire life before that. You are in need of deliverance. You know what I'm talking about, those trains of thought. I was born again, and when I was born again, I I was born out of selling drugs and everything else. I was born again for two years and still selling drugs. I didn't know anything. I knew I loved the Lord, but I also loved selling drugs. Nobody taught me anything, but the Lord taught me over time from the inside out. Something's wrong about that. You're ruining people's lives like you're you're selling them poison. And I started to see something like, oh, woe is me. And I realized how deep of darkness I was set in and what he had delivered me from when he put me into the light. And all of a sudden I saw my darkness, who I was best friends with, wasn't my friend at all. Those trains of thoughts, those actions, those attractions. Those areas of your life are in need of deliverance. You know Jesus as a savior, but do you know him as a deliverer? Hmm. Those of you who were 
once serving devils just like me, and let's be honest, it was all of you, still have the tendency to think and act like them because we still have high place mentalities and elevated idolatries in our lives. We love Jesus, but we also love that. That also thing is the idolatry. Saints, Jehoshaphat loved the Lord, but he neglected to do anything about the idolatry. Watch this. That had been handed down to him from his father and still present in his own life. Oh, it wasn't his father's fault. It was Jehoshaphat's fault because the Bible says that every one of us have been handed down an empty way of life. That even means if you were raised in a Christian home or a non-Christian home, every one of you have caverns in your life that darkness likes to hang out in, and it's your responsibility to do something about it. You need to stop blaming your parents for it. Saints, you may have been given a fantastic Christian childhood or not, like me. Every man in this woman, every man and woman in this room must come to the point in your life where your salvation is marked by your personal, radical deliverance from what once dominated you. Or you are still in slavery to it, and been, even though you've been handed your emancipation papers. So what does that look like for you? What tendency, what habits, what patterns in your life are you still holding on to daily? Maybe you got them from the generation before you, or maybe you developed them for your own self. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, man, I'm, I'm becoming my mother. Right? Well, I just, listen, Pastor, I, I was just raised that way. W what are we saying? They're saying, Jesus radically transformed me over here, but these areas, because I was raised that way, that's just how I am. That's, that's hopeless speech, saints. That's death-giving speech, not life-giving speech. Are you with me? Every, every ideology, that means the way you think things should be, the way that you think life should be, that is elevated above the way that Jesus lived it, is idolatry and is a high place in your life. It's getting your attention. That's why God cares. It's getting your devotion. That's why it... That's why he cares deeply about it. He's getting the attention and devotion that was only supposed to be given to him. And Yahweh was clear. You must tear down the high places. You must remove and replace them with the ideal way that Jesus lived and demonstrated for you, whether you trust him or not. Because the only way that you grow to trust him is to follow him and then you trust him. Saints, you were designed to pledge your allegiance. And if you don't pledge your allegiance to the kingdom of God, you will pledge your allegiance to the kingdom of Satan. Period. Somebody needs to tell you the truth. Somebody needs to tell you the truth. Second Chronicles 20.35 said this. Later, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, made an alliance with Ahijah. It's actually Ahaziah. I just can't say it, so bear with me. Oh, I'm, I'm a miracle because I'm a Cajun, and, and y'all can actually understand what I'm saying. Thank you, Texas. Thank you, Texas. So Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, made an alliance with Ahijah, king of Israel, whose ways were wicked. He agreed with him to construct a fleet of trading ships 
after a, a fleet of trading ships made in a place called a Zion Gabir. Y'all about to get why this is significant for you. Are you ready? Jehoshaphat, the man of God, who loved God, made alliances with Ahijah. Watch this. Jehoshaphat means Yahweh governs. Another way that you can say that, he's the spirit-led man in this situation. Ahijah means Yahweh grasped. Another way you can say that, it was the place of his stronghold. It was a, a stronghold. This guy was literally the eldest son of Ahab and Jezebel, which is another message, and the king of northern Israel. And he reigned for two short years. And watch this. He's best known for 2 Kings 1, verse 2, where he falls through the, some wood lattice and he fatally wounds himself. But before doing so, he exposes who his God is by going out and seeking counsel from him. And you know who his God was? Beelzebub. Do you remember Jesus talking about this in Matthew 12, 24? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. And Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself, it won't stand. And if Satan drives out Satan, he is divided by himself. How then can the kingdom of God stand? And if I drive out demons by this Beelzebub, by whom do you drive them out? <laughs> so then they will be your judges. But if I, but if it is by the spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Watch this. Jehoshaphat, the spirit-led man, makes a soul tie with Ahiza, the divine stronghold, who God, whose God is the devil. Reality check. Ahiza served the prince of demons, and Jehoshaphat, the man of God, just got in bed with him. Don't tell me that because you became a child of God 10 weeks, 10 months, or 10 years ago, that since doing so, after your authentic encounter, that you're not still susceptible to the alliances that you make with demons. And Jehoshaphat made an alliance with Ahiza. And he agreed to make a fleet of ships. This was the manifestation of that. The man of God who loved God, who made the choice to not deal with the same ungodly patterns in his life that were found in the generation before him, is now in a place where he is making decisions that will not only affect him, but will affect everyone around him. And the decisions that he is making is to make an alliance with darkness. Good thing that's everybody else and not us, right? Alliances. Mental, emotional, and physical alliances. Joining to the things that you join yourself to that are as deep as your religious convictions. 
the things that you love and you make friendship with, the things that you spend time with. T-I-M-E is love. How much time are you showing those things that are not of God? How much time, how much time are you loving on them? Asa was Jehoshaphat's father. And watch this. His name meant healing. His name meant healing. Jehoshaphat was the spirit-led man. Ahiza represented the place in your life where strongholds are developed. And Beelzebub had a grip on the man of God's life by proxy of the one who he made allegiance with. Let me demonstrate this for you. Dylan, come stand with me. Joe, come stand. Come stand with your father. Evan, stand with your father. Yeah, I'm sorry. Evan. <laughs> Dylan's my son. This is a father and son. Grab hands. Yeah, there you go. So this is like saying, Asa, healing, I get to be that. Jehoshaphat, right? Ahiza, Beelzebub, sorry, bro. <laughs> so I'm the father, I'm healing, and Jehoshaphat, right? Let go of hands, right? He says, this is what was originally designed. Your father has everything that you need. Everything for healing, everything for provision, everything for godliness. You need nothing else. You don't need anything else. And Jehoshaphat's like, yeah, I get that. But at some point, I think I'd need a little bit something else. And so he joins hands in alliance with Ahaza. And what he doesn't realize is he gets his son. Or you can even turn that around. Stand on the other side. This would probably be a more appropriate. Because that's what happens. That's what it really looks like. Right? Because Beelzebub is a father as well. He's just the father of lies. The father of darkness. And so what you will make allegiance with now is attached to, he loves the Lord. He goes down as a successful king, but there's a few little extra things in there that he took to his grave with him. Are you okay with that? Sit down. Thank you. If Satan has any part in your life, even 1%, that means your destination, he'll have a choice over what your destination looks like. Like in the end of the story, he had a part in your story in writing the narrative. Saints, when you do not know that the Father is with you and that he has everything that you need, you will search elsewhere for things and you're going to get far more than you bargained for. This is what Jehoshaphat learned. He got far more than what he bargained for. Saint stronghold are those places in your life that have a grip on you. 
They've had a grip on your left hand, even though Jesus is at your right hand. And he agreed with him to construct a fleet of ships, a trading ships, that were built in a place called Zion Gabir. You know what that word means, Zion Gabir? The backbone of a man. <laughs> the places of his stronghold, the place of his alliances, were built at the place where a man is supposed to develop a backbone. A place where he develops a spine. A place where a woman of God grows a set of convictions. A place where a man of God either cultivates some grit or crumbles under cowardness. This is the place where Jehoshaphat's legacy would be laid for eternity and where his allegiances were was where his strongholds were and where his strongholds were were determined about where his allegiances were. You remember first. Thessalonians 1, 4, we spent a lot of time on it. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that you have been chosen. How do we know? Because the gospel did not come to you simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know what that means? If you do not have deep convictions based on the absolutes of the word, you just have strong opinions. Men build denominations on strong opinions. They're called the traditions of men. It's why most of you are here today and not there. Because you have found them to be a form without the power. Dead. The place where the man of God makes his choices is the place that the man of God finds his allegiances. And the place where the man finds his allegiances are the places where he'll pinpoint his strongholds. Let me ask you, saints, who has a stronghold on you? Yahweh himself? Because if he doesn't, someone else does. Will Yahweh be your only stronghold of your life? Because if not, you have just given a little bit of room to make allegiances with something else that is demonic. What does Jehoshaphat do here in 2 Chronicles? What does the man of God that loves God do? He gets in bed with Satan. And how does that flesh out? He makes a fleet of ships. That's what it looks like. You think he knew he was doing that? No, that's what deception looks like. You're about to have your eyes open, saints. To the gates that you didn't know that were actually opening. And then we're going to give you a key to close them in the name of Jesus. Verse 35. And he agreed with them to construct a fleet of ships that were built at Ezion Gabir. Some of your translations say ships of Tarshish. Anybody got that in here? Ships of Tarshish are spoken of in Isaiah 23, in Psalm 28, and Ezekiel 38. And it calls Tarshish a curse because it relied on its riches, on its provisions, and what could, what, what could be given by it instead of what was given by God. Wow. Ships. Of Tarshish. Jehoshaphat, the man of God, thought that he was doing something good, but he got something a little extra. When ships of Tarshish came in to ancient Israel, they brought with them every imported provision, every imported good, and every imported influence, whether good or evil. 
It brought in everything that the world had to offer. Are y'all getting something this morning? Joseph, at the man of God, thought that he was doing something good for those under his care by making an allegiance with Ahaziah and that he was going to provide for them a better life, easier access to goods. But what came with those items were also the influence that came with the deal, the, print, the price of an allegiance with demons. If you're a man of God in here this morning responsible for the influence of others in your life, raise your hand. If you're responsible for families or people over your life, raise your hand. If you're responsible for children in here, raise your hand. What ships of Tarshish that you have made an alliance with are built in your family? What do they, what might they look like? Well, I did this so that we could have a better life. Easier access, a little more expedient. But then now I realize that what came with it was a little more than I had bargained for. Let me give you a couple that I was thinking about as far as our community is concerned. Ships of Tarshish, virtual reality. Virtual reality has, have, has a grip on the sons and daughters of the living God and it has a grip on their intimacy. Virtual intimacy is not natural. And what is not natural is perverted. And what is perverted has a demonic influence. That's how it got that way. Virtual intimacy never produces godliness. We live in a generation with online churches instead of personal interaction. Seventy years ago, the megachurch scene broke out and we're dealing with shadow, shallow fruit because of it. Mark my words, 70 years now, we'll be, we'll be dealing with dead fruit because of virtual reality. We'll be dealing with dead fruit because men and women settled for sitting on their computer and calling that church. Pornography is stealing from you more than it's given to you. Hear me this morning. The ships of Tarshish have brought in influences and has caught your virtual intimacy. And you are wondering why you and your wife or you, you and the Lord right, aren't as intimate as we once were. It's because somebody else is getting it from you. Movies aren't real. They are paid illusionists who train to govern your emotions. Stop going to movies to find your biblical truth. You can read the Bible. You don't have to go watch Noah to figure out who Noah was. Google is not God. Knowledge comes from the word of God and those who live by it. Woe to this generation that seek Google nine times out of ten and then go to the Bible. Just because you read it on the internet doesn't make it true, saints. You're in an information war. Hello. You are willfully being trained. 
to be easily deceived when you do that. You believe you are getting smarter by seeking virtual knowledge. But it is proving very quickly to make mankind stupid. Why? Because these are like ships coming in from afar carrying provisions your way as well as other demonic things that seek the company of your intimacy. And Jesus gave you power. They should have no hold on you. You should have a hold on them. Whatever virtual online thing that has got your devotion is a ship you have built when you made an alliance with it. And you are losing more ground than you are gaining, saints. The entire time you are paying a price that you had no idea that you were paying. Let me ask you something, wives. How much of your husband's attention, how much is your attention of your husband worth to you? Does his phone get more FaceTime than you? Husbands, how much is your wife's devotion worth to you? Does your TV in your bedroom get more intimacy than you two do? Is it worth it? Because that is what you are surrendering by building these ships sent by Satan at the request of your allegiance. The effects are, are phenomenal. You're getting dopamine drops way too much more than you were designed to. And it's causing you to then not get the, the oxytocin that comes from touch of other people. You weren't designed for that. You need to burn that ship. You need to burn that ship. Another ship of Tarshish, entertainment. Do you know men produce testosterone when they're physically active? When they're physically active. Can you see an all-out assault on the men of God to not be active and call it being active? Yeah. Setting in one position, in a certain position every day that you're not designed to in front of a computer for the majority of your day does not do that for you. And then we've designed a whole culture around it. Listen to me, men. Men, it's one thing to put in work on a computer, it's another thing to choose entertaining yourself with video games, YouTubes, movies, where it causes you to practice purposelessness. It is stealing your masculinity. You are literally spending hours sitting on your future sons. Now, wonder men are having a problem with the parts that they were born with. They don't function rightly anymore, so they, they find them obsolete. Why do I have these? They don't work like I want them to, and then if they do, they actually control me. I'm confused. Women, Pinterest is not the place you go to to get your ideal model for a home. The Word of God is. That is spiritual pornography. It's spiritual pornography when you look somewhere else to find the ideal model and the ideal income and the ideal things that your house should have other than what your husband can provide for it. 
if your husband provides this life and this place with this home, you be content in it because that's what God's given him for you through him. Anything else is spiritual pornography. Parents, sports is meant to to be interactive. Interactive relational fun with one another and build camaraderie and community, but we can make it something else, can't we? We make it something that steals our precious few years that we get with the children that the word says you are supposed to train up and impress the word of God on and put them on best footing before they leave your home. This world does not need more excellent athlete saints. They need men and women of God. They need the next Elijah. They need the next John the Baptist. They don't need better athletes and better lawyers. They need better men and women of God. What would happen if you took all that time, money, effort, prayers that you put in so passionately into things like that and you installed them into our sons and daughters? What would happen to Trevor? What would, what would happen to CJ? What would happen to Zion and Zadok? What would happen to Dawson? What would happen... To Elias. What would happen to all of these children if we took them and said, I got this many minutes left with you and it's not long. And I'm not going to wait till you 18 for you to shake the world. I'm not going to wait, wait until you're 20, in it, 20 years old to become one who shapes this history. I'm going to look at you and say, son, you were born for such a time as this. Daughter, you are born for such a time as this. I'm going to show you how to pray. I'm going to show you what the word of God says. I'm going to show you how to repent because I got it wrong today. I'm going to demonstrate to you what it looks like to be a man and woman full of the spirit of God. What would happen? What would happen if we stopped waiting? What would happen if we would release and give permission to these young ones in, in the room to get out and actually share their faith with King Jesus? Woe to us if we suffer those little ones to come to him. We must stop cursing our children with low expectations and putting on them prohibitions and limits that God has not. They can hear from God better than you most of the time. Because they've been on the planet for a few years and you've been corrupted for 20. You know who understands these things? Older people understand these things. People who have been on the planet for a little while. You know why? Because by that time, unfortunately, it takes so long. By that time, they understand what really matters. You need to hang out with some silver-haired people in this place. You're going to walk away and say, what is all this stuff in my life? Now, wonder I'm weary and heavy laden. Look at everything I've accumulated along the way. Look at every ship that I have actually requested to come to my dock. And it's bringing in, shoot, yeah, some good things over here and over here. A lot more than I bargained for. And you sit with some older hair, old silverhead saints and they go, why do you think you need all those things? Be delivered in the name of Jesus. Leonard Ravenhill's going on to be with Jesus. He's one of my favorite preachers. And he said, entertainment is a substitution for joy. 
How many of you need a little more joy than you currently got in your life? Well, then burn that chip. Just burn that chip. One day, sooner than later, you're going to breathe the last breath that Yahweh gave you. And you're going to look at him in eternity and you're going to give an account for every minute and every breath that he actually gave you. Because it's an inheritance from heaven given to you for a time to steward and to give back to him. Will it be better than what he gave it to you? Hmm. Anybody got an iPhone in here? I got one. Right? I don't know about the Androids users, but on the iPhone, you can go to your screen, right? And you can scroll down. And it tells you how much time that you spent. What a phenomenal creation. <laughs> how much time you spent. I had to repent this morning because I had three hours total this week. <laughs> Entertainment. Oh my God. Could you not pray for one hour? What if it calculated your prayer time? Somebody, you probably get an app for that. Or you don't want that app, do you? How many minutes of the inheritance that Jesus died to give you, called life, was given to some other lover? Hmm. The Bible calls that devotions. And when you are intimate with anything other than the things God has given you, you walk away with STDs. You walk away with spiritually transmitted demons. Influences that linger in your thoughts. How many of you ever looked at something, looked at something that you weren't proud of, and then you closed your eyes, the next day you could still see it. That's called impressions. Something's been impressed on you. And although you're not living like that today, yesterday you did and it followed you into today. Impressions that are subconsciously shaping your decisions that you're making today. Real spiritual forces that entice you with something good from the front while they're raping you from behind. You got to burn that chip. I said, you got to burn that chip. Another ship of Tarshish. Health. The Hebrew word for salvation is Yeshua. One of the, one of the words for salvation in Greek is sozo, and it means healing. Yeshua is your healing. Jehoshaphat's strongholds literally stood between him and his healing. Did you hear me? And who had influence on the strongholds of Jehoshaphat? Satan. I told you I was going to help you pinpoint. Which one of you... Which one of your strongholds is standing between you and your healing? It's time that the people of God stop being sick in the house of God. 
Your Bible says that there is a spirit of fear. There are something called spirit of infirmity, spirits of confusion. This is literally from the word spirit of prostitution, spirits of impurity, spirits of stupor, spirits of the world and spirits of falsehood. All these things are spirit that are not Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of set apartness, set apart, set apart, set apart, being set apart for God's use and his will. As you are being filled with the Holy Spirit, you are being filled with the greater capacity to be used by him and that's why he constantly cleans house wow all spiritual influence is not of god found found inside of the community of god and the people of god that are belonging to god is actually a reality you see you saw like the kingdom of god and the kingdom of darkness study your bible about the kingdom of god you'll find there's weeds in it you'll find that there's corruption inside the kingdom of God. And what is it? It's you bringing those things in there. But the kingdom of God itself will triumph over you. You may not be standing with it at the end, but nevertheless, the kingdom of God will prevail. But you, well, that's another story. Hmm. I have traveled the globe. The majority of hardworking Americans are actually lazy by global standards. And I try to be a hard worker. And I realize after traveling the globe, dang, we lazy. <laughs> what do I mean? You no longer have to hunt for your food. You no, longer have, you no longer need to kill it, clean it, eat it, and then clean up after it when you're done. You simply have to have someone make it for you. And then you take the remainders and throw it in, in a garbage that somebody else picks up. Our homes are air-conditioned. Hello. Praise the Lord. <laughs> our seats are cushioned, and our fancy double-ply toilet paper keeps our rear ends clean, so we believe. And we're healthier for these things? I don't think so. Then why do we find ourselves in need to ease our pain with medications, with sleeping aids, with comfort foods, or with other indulgences or overindulgences of things like alcohol, sleep, or marital sex. These are all ships of our own request that leave us in needing healing, but that wouldn't be necessary in our lives if we just trust our Father. You need to burn those ships. I'm digging this morning. Are you okay with that? Y'all ready? Okay, I'm going to keep going. I mentioned something about medication. Saints, medication is useful, but not for coping and escaping. I said medication is useful, but not for coping nor escaping your lack of biblical character. Some of you here today believe pharmaceuticals more than you believe God. Pharmakia in the Greek is witchcraft, and witchcraft is control. It has control over you. When you should have control over it, that's when you crossed the line. That's when you made an allegiance. If that is you, I want to remind you that the Bible says that it was those who rode in on ships that brought the provisions of pharmaceuticals to you. Revelation 18 says it. Then a mighty angel 
took up a stone like a great milestone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus, uh, thus with violence and great, uh, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall be found no more. The sound of harpists, musicians, flute, flutists, wow, that's a thing, and trumpeters shall not be heard in her anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in her anymore, and the sound of the milestone shall not be heard in her anymore. The light of the lamp shall not shine in her anymore, and the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in her anymore. Where was she before? She was in it. That's you, saints. For her merchants, her traders on ships, were the great men of the earth, for by their pharmakia, all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints. In her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints and of all who were slain on the earth. I'm going to let you sit on that one. Because I did mention sleep, and sleep is a gift from God, amen? Sleep is a gift from God until it becomes the one thing that you can't wait to do. That's called depression. That comes from oppression. Because you are oppressed, you are so depressed that you can't get enough sleep. Daniel 7.25 says it. He will speak words against the Most High and try to exhaust the Holy Ones of the Most High. Something behind the scene is seeking to exhaust you. And if your Christianity has done so, it's not the real thing. Saints, it is exhausting to continuously worry about when you're going to get more sleep. That's a vicious cycle, a trap. Food is meant for the stomach and stomach for the food. Amen. That's what 1 Corinthians 6.12 says. Paul says it. Listen to what he says here in verse 12. I say for me, anything is permitted, maybe, but not everything is helpful. For me, everything is permitted, maybe, but as far as I am concerned, I am not going to let anything gain control over me. Why in the world is he talking about control when he's talking about food? I thought he was just giving you a dissertation on food. No, he's actually telling you about control and the things that control you. I thought this passage was just about food, but if you listen... It's about control. Wherever the devil can get a foothold, he begins to create a stronghold. He doesn't care about your food. He doesn't care about your sleep. He doesn't care about your entertainment. He doesn't care about your attention. He hates that you're saved, and so he wants to keep you ineffective. Ephesians 4.27 says, Do not give Satan a foothold that word is space room like a judo grip like a headlock don't give him a headlock don't abdicate authority to him that he does not have alcohol can be medicinal did you hear me the word literally says it alcohol can be medicinal and bring joy to an occasion as it did for the disciples and as it did for all the Jewish festivals as Jesus himself actually put it into his body. But the moment it becomes something that you fellowship with like a friend. 
like your best friend that you can't hang out with till the end of the day. As soon as it becomes the focal point, you no longer have a grip on it. It has a grip on you. You have pledged at that point your allegiance to a ship with a cargo full of demons. Come to my house, we'll have a beer together and talk about it. Unless it's your stronghold. And then you're going to watch me get into the word, sip on a beer, and then we're going to go through how to break that stronghold for you. Are you getting me? Because on the back of that, another ship is religion and legalism and everything that comes with that garbage. And the same can be said about every other addiction that you find in your life that's robbing you from your health. Marital sex. Marital sex is a beautiful gift from God until it becomes the main thing. When that controls your relationship, you are the one being controlled by demonic influences that you cannot see. Are you with me, saints? Listen to me this morning. You are receiving pleasure, but so is the devil. He is raping your covenant of its innocence. You need to burn that ship. Religion. James 1.27 says, The religious observances that God the Father considers pure and faultless is this. What does that say? There is one. To care for the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being contaminated by, by the, that word is cosmos, from being contaminated by the things between heaven and here. Wow. Saints, have you become contaminated by things that exist between here and heaven? Because the world you live in is a cosmic battle for the sons of men and for Christian freedom. And it's at the forefront of the battleground because the devil has already lost. And so if he can get those who are called the hope of glory to be hopeless, then he can populate hell on his way out. Ephesians 6.10 says it like this. Finally, grow powerful in the union of the Lord. You can't grow powerful in the union of the Lord if your union's also elsewhere. And grow powerful in his mighty strength. Watch this. Use the armor, use the armor of God, the armor of weaponry that God provides for you so that you will be able to stand against the deceptive tactics of the adversary. That is also Satan. Why would Paul tell us that we need to put on the armor? Because your flesh is susceptible. Your flesh is not the armor. You need the armor of God on top of your flesh because your flesh is like a sponge. Your flesh is not your spirit and your flesh is not your soul, but your flesh itself is susceptible to all these things. He says it right here in verse 12. For we are not struggling against human beings, but against rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers governing this darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. For we are not struggling against other people, he says. We are fighting against unseen cosmic celestial demonic powers that can penetrate our flesh. Wow. 
So then, take up every piece of war equipment God provides you. <laughs> and when the battle is won, you will be still standing. Back to Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat lived a life where Yahweh fought and won every battle in his life. And when it came time for him to simply stand still he res and resist making alliances with the devil, he simply failed to become the resistance. Don't you know, saints, that you are the resistance? You are the resistance. That's why the enemy works so hard to keep you silent and not moving. To keep you stationary instead of on the move. To keep you silent instead of vocal. You are the resistance. Resist the devil and he will flee. Don't resist him and guess what? He's hanging out with you like your best friend. You need to burn those ships. You need to burn those ships. Saints, today you're going to have to be honest with yourself. If you want to be healed. Do you want to be healed? Some of you have been healed. Do you want to be healed even more? Yes. Don't, don't ask yourself, have I made an alliance with a devil? Ask yourself, what alliance have I made with demons? Satan means adversary, where we get our word adversity. Think about that for a minute. Where have you given in and yielded to adversity? Where have you waved the white flag to Satan? It's wherever you find your avenues of influence in your lives that are bringing in cargo sh ships load by load and you stop resisting its freight simply because you have fallen in love with its benefits. You need to burn those ships. You say, Pastor, we're off severed all ties of darkness and you know what I say? Praise God for that, but ships leave behind cargo. I said ships leave behind cargo. You can burn the ships, but you must be delivered from the cargo that they left behind. You may have severed every influence, but what effects is it still causing you today? What trauma is it causing you? What drama is it causing you? Because the Spirit of God came to give you peace. Do you want to get healed, saints? Well, then imagine that you lived on an island. What vessels is it that you've allowed to dock in your port? To pass your inspections? To determine the culture in which you live in? We talked about TVs, phones, radios, social media, friends, family. What is it? All these things should be judged by the Spirit of God that lives in you. Your addictions, your food, are they all on the table? Are they all on the king's table that you've been invited to? Your relationships with your families, your relationships with those who are not family, your relationships with your spouse, your, relation, your sex relationship with your spouse, your, your sex relationship with your computer. All these things bring with them the opportunity for demonic attachment when you make alliance with them. You are getting more than you bargained for. You're getting raped by the Rephaim, what your Bible says. Literally, demonic prodigy. 
2 Chronicles 20, 37, as I turn down this message for you. Because you have made alliance with Ahiza, the Lord's going to destroy the things that you made because of that. That's called the mercy of God. That is called the mercy of God. All of these things in and of themselves that we just spoke about are not evil until, until you make an allegiance with them. Until you make that spiritual, intimate relationship with them. We need to pay attention, saints, to the things that we build into our lives that are not life-giving. And we need to cast out the things in our life that we realize are demonic. For too long, Christians stood around and think everything demonic goes on over there and nowhere in here. Judgment starts in the house of God. Well, if it starts in the house of God, why does it need to be judged? Because something that's in the house of God should not be there. That's called darkness. That comes from Satan. That comes from his minions called demons. I'm trying to open your eyes so that you might take responsibility so that you might be free. Why don't you close your eyes for a minute? When I say these things are not helpful to you, the addictions in your life, the thing, these are the actual reasons that's calling, causing a cycle, a vicious cycle of repetitiveness. When I say these things, these ships of Tarshish, these influences, these things, what comes to mind? That's it. Stop overthinking it. They're the reason for the vicious cycle that must be broken in Jesus' name. Open your eyes. Saints, when God frustrates something, when he destroys a vessel in your life, an object of satisfaction or an instrument of pleasure in your life, you must not rebuild it. He did you a grace and mercy. And when you find one that he has not yet, you pray to the living God and he'll show you the power to burn that ship. He is literally evicting your demons and cleaning house. He is trying to deliver you. Matthew 12, 43 says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through the airs and arid places seeking a place to find rest. Then it says, I'll return to my home. I'll return back to my home. What was it? A home and a habitation for demonic influence can be a place in human beings that we can actually carry. Somebody was asking me the other day about, you know, what we're talking about oppression or possession. Who cares if they're in your life? That's the wrong question. The question is why they're in your camp in the first place. In the name of Jesus, my house, my family will be a clean and a holy house that I don't have to deal with demonic drama every day. That's the stance that I've taken. That makes me a sniper. That makes me the one who snipes him before he even gets close. Is that you? Or do you wait until there's a ship at your dock that you have to burn down? Saints, the reason that you're saved in a moment but delivered over time is because you were made to war. And you didn't know how to fight when you met King Jesus, but he's teaching you. This is what 2 Chronicles 10 says. For although we do live in the world, we do not wage war 
in a worldly way because the weapons that we use to wage war are not worldly. On the contrary, they have God's power, watch this, to demolish strongholds. To demolish the strongholds that you created by the allegiance that you made, by the decisions that you made. Don't you know that your life is a collection of decisions? Praise God, you don't have to do it alone. I love what he says here. We demolish arguments and every arrogance that raises itself up against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Messiah. And when you have become completely obedient, then... We will be ready to punish every act of disobedience. Watch this, verse 7. You are looking at surface things. But you have been given eyes to see underneath the surface. That's what we're working on today. Say, today we are not looking at surface things. The Holy Spirit is taking an inventory of your docs and telling you that the answer to healing this vicious cycle of yours is burning the ships. I'm going to leave you with a couple things here as we close out. Burning the ships was an ancient war cry. That's what we started with in this message. Sun Tzu used it. The ancient Greek soldiers understood the idea. And that's how, he says, they say that that's how they possessed an unwavering attitude to victory and committed, and were committed even when the Grecian armies landed on enemy shores. Why? Because the first thing the generals did was they burned the ships. And that's what your leaders are telling you to do today. Burn the damned ships. And be free in Jesus' name. Alexander the Great burned the ships upon arrival in the shores of Persia. And when Alexander burned the ships, his men knew that they committed to victory or die trying. In 1519, the Spanish captain Hernan Cortes landed on the shores of the New World of Mexico and after realizing the opposition of the Maya Aztec nation and the discomfort and casualties it would cause them to conquer the demonic barbarian tribes, some of the crews began to negotiate a retreat. Saints, when you begin to negotiate with your flesh, you have already lost. There is only one way to ensure that you do not get back on the ship. You must burn the ships. Captain Cortez gave the order to burn the ships and he said, if and only if we return, it's going to be on their ships. That's called plundering the enemy. That's called taking back what the enemy stole. The only reason I'm going to cross back over there is to go get somebody and bring them back. The truth is, saints, is that you must possess the same attitude towards your faith in Jesus as most of these men possessed in their victory. Now listen to me. These men were cornal and received glory that they so desperately wanted. That's why we're reading about them today. But most of them are in hell today with the devil. You're not carnal. You are spiritual, and it's about time that you start to act like it. You're not lost. You are saved, and it's about time that you remember his benefits. You do not seek your own glory. You seek deliverance even from the mess of your own making. And you know what? 
He didn't come for the well. He came for the sick. Hebrews eleven fifteen is the profound point that we often miss. Listen to what it says starting in 13. Hebrews eleven thirteen. All these people of faith that were just spoken about in this chapter kept on trusting until they died. Without receiving what had been promised, they had only seen it and welcomed it from a distance. While acknowledging that they were aliens and temporary residents on the earth. For people who speak this way make it clear that they are looking for a fatherland. Verse 15. Now if they were to keep recalling the one they left, if they were to keep recalling the place that they came from, they would have an opportunity to return. Ships don't show up at your shores unless you call them in by allegiance to the one who can get them there. What is it? What ships are at your dock because you keep looking back to once, what once was? And it has caused a fleet of opportunity to come to your shores, even though you love the Lord. What is it? Are you taking an inventory of your heart this morning? Because I am. Pastor Devin said it very well the other day, and it, if you become captivated by your precious captivity, it will create the opportunity for you to return to it. But you need to know that that is making an allegiance with demonic forces. You must look forward and never look back, saints. I have some good news for you because I don't leave before giving you good news. Matthew 10 says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Everything has changed. There's been a fundamental change since the cross. Something has fundamentally changed in the heavens. Oh, it's true. You can make allegiances with things that are other than God, but the power of God is no longer seated in the heavens. The power of God is seated upon your hearts. You are the ambassador of God. You have control over these situations. You just need to take hold of it. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the leper. Cast out the demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Freely you received what? I've received healing. I've received life from the dead. I've received a clean house. I've received deliverance. So because I've received deliverance, I now give deliverance. And do you think that's for everybody out there? No, it's first and foremost for you. You can't give away what you haven't experienced. That's why God's here today to say, I'm coming for your chains. So that you'll know what it means to be a hell-shaking, jail-breaking chain-breaking type people because when you are that, that's what you give away. And no longer do you just admire it, you live it. Luke 10, 17. Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, yeah, because I saw Satan fall like And I have given you authority to trample on snakes, scorpions, and to overcome all powers of the enemy. Nothing will harm you along the way. What are you afraid of? That spirit is not from the Lord. 
Revelations 12 says it like this. And then war broke out in the heavens and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven and the great dragon was hurled down. Where? Here. And the ancient serpent called the devil, also Satan, who leads the whole world astray, came to make camp here. And he was hurled to the earth and his angels with them. And then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Come on, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God. It is and will be. He has and is going to be. This is the reality that you live in and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of the brothers and sisters who accused them before God day and night has been hurled down. And they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony. And they did not love their lives so much to shrink back from death. <laughs> oh, every time you shrink back, saints, you're looking back. You're shrinking back because you're looking back. And when you're looking back, you're given an opportunity to call four ships from across a far way to come and camp and dock at your life. And what they bring with them isn't anything you actually needed because you already had everything that you ever could have. Saints, the way to healing is not complicated. I can feel this, the weighty spirit here today. So I'm going to let the Holy Spirit minister in a minute. And I want to start how I finish how I start it. I love the body of Christ. I love us. I love us so much, I'm going to call you out on your BS. You love the Lord, but you also love other things. That's not okay. He still loves you. Either way, but you can be free or bound the rest of your life. Samson was found in the hall of faith. You don't want Samson's life. He was bound by whores his entire life. Yet still with the Lord. Let Figure that one out. That's not what you want. You don't even want... To be like David or Moses or you want to be like Jesus. And Jesus wasn't bound by anything. Colossians says you've been given the fullness of Christ, not 95 percent. One hundred. Worship team, won't you come up? The way of healing is not complicated. This is the part where you break attention. Don't do that for a minute. The way of healing is not complicated. The blood of Jesus is just as powerful today when you confess your allegiance and renounce your alliances. And you burn those ships. What are the ships that you have caused to dock at the heart of your life? When you closed your eyes, you saw them. Slow obedience is no obedience. And you're waiting for permission to be in an altar that's already called. Because you've been trained in something that's not God. You need to burn those relationships with those pocket idols you call phones. Tell me that's not. Tell me. Tell me the Lord doesn't have. Walk around in your community. 
Chiropractors, should, everybody should be a chiropractor before long because everybody's necks are going to be bent. It's creating an industry. I told my wife the other day when the Lord was showing me these things, I'm like, my phone is stealing my eyesight. My phone, I have to have glasses now. That's why I'm reading from this screen and not from this Bible because I'm praying for the confidence to get glasses. It's okay if we're just vulnerable today? Or you want me to be fake like the, all the other people that you're not hanging around with Sunday morning? These things are costing you far more than you know. You need to burn the relationships with your pocket idols. Your love affair with your computers. That demonic relationship with those psychiatric drugs that you think you need to be able to think correctly each day or to not have anxiety or whatever it is. Remember, I said, these things begin not evil in and of themselves. They become that way when you make intimate relationships with them. You need to burn those ships with those devilish relationships you have with alcohol. You know who I'm talking about in this place. You say, well, the Bible doesn't say not to or to. The Bible is not a law book. It's a love book. His instructions from you where he interacts with you. You need to burn those bridges with those ungodly relationships you've been holding on to for long because you just say, I'm going to be their savior. But they have more influence over you than you have over them. And your family's taking the hit. Because you just want to hang out. Think about the cost of hanging out. Are they worth it? Hmm. These are the opportunities to regress. And listen to me, saints. Regression is the revival of oppression. I said regression is the revival of oppression. And some of you need to repent for retreating in righteousness so that God can refresh you today. Don't you know that every single conviction that you feel in your heart is for the purpose of restoration, life, and refreshing in His Holy Spirit? These are big boy talks. Nobody's treating you like a nursery rhyme Christian any longer. We're going to treat you like a grown man and a woman of the living God. Radical freedom. Radical freedom or die trying. Radical freedom or nothing else. It's a misnomer. There are radical Christians. They're only Christians. The one who live and follow King Jesus. And if your life doesn't look like him, then you now know the measure in which you're aiming for. Saints, no ships sailed alone. I heard a pastor say this week, if you have addictions or you have some of these ships, right? You're not alone. You got friends. You got friends. If you got ships, you got friends. And you call them that, but they're not really your friends. Joel 3 says it like this. And in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all nations and bring them down, watch this, to the valley of Jehoshaphat. 
to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Every single man and woman in this room, including me, is a Jehoshaphat in this place. And when you have decisions to make, you're standing in a valley. And he says this in verse 9, proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. You want to make peace? You have to declare war. You want to establish peace? You have to declare war. To establish biblical peace, you have to declare war against your flesh and everything else that docks itself at its heart. Rouse the warriors. Let the fighting men draw near and attack. Beat your plowshare into swords and your pruning, here, pruning hooks into spears. Let the weakling say, I am strong. Come quickly, all you nations from every side, and assemble there. Bring down your warriors, Lord. Let the nations be roused. Let them advance. Let them advance in the valley of Jehoshaphat. Let them advance into the valley of decision. You know what this is also called in your Bible? The, ba the valley of Armageddon. Verse 16, and the Lord will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem and the earth and the heavens will tremble. But, but the Lord will be a refuge to his people. The Lord will be a stronghold. He'll be the only stronghold on your life. If, if you burn those ships. Stand with me. Every man and woman in here is a Jehoshaphat. And every Jehoshaphat finds himself in a valley of decision. But because of Jehoshaphat, you don't have to share his same legacy. Every low place in your life is a valley of decision. Of whether or not you are going to live one more day with the devil having a stronghold.